Well, hi, good afternoon. This is uh, Jane with, uh, this is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon, and I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And our title <laughs> is, God Doesn't Want You to Have a Normal Marriage. That's an interesting uh, you like that topic? lead, and I hope that hope that fits by the time we're done here. Well, um, I, Basically, yeah, what ahead. we're going to be talking about is um, what what is considered a normal marriage. And uh, Jane has an article done with some studies and things like that that she's going to be quoting about. And, and we'll compare that to uh, a biblical footprint for a marriage and a biblical outlook on marriage. You know, okay, I want to tell you this, is that the reason why I even came across this article that is based on a book, and I, when I got into this article, I didn't know how legitimate it was, but it turns out it's very legitimate, is that I, Shannon and I are really blessed. We've been married... 26 years, be 27 next May, and I love our marriage, and I mean, we've had rough patches just like anybody, but God has been so faithful, and and I love our marriage, and and it's fun, it's, it's uh, what else is it, it's beautiful, it's, it's comforting, it's joyful. It's complete. It's complete, and it's, of course, it's not perfect, we're learning all the time, but I, this is what I want for everybody for marriage. But I also know I've seen marriage, I've seen some marriages that aren't this happy. And I just, I guess I looked up uh, what's a normal marriage because I wanted to know if other people have what we have or if they have something else. And so this is what I came up with. And I'm going to, um, this is what they call the normal marriage. And I will find it. Maybe we're going to do this. Here. Yes. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, when we were when uh, I said the word complete there, that's a good word. I don't mean that we have everything we ever will need or everything we ever uh, need to know about each other, or everything we need to share with each other. We don't have all that yet because that's something that takes time, and there should be a growth in a marriage at all times. But what I mean by completeness is completeness means not having to feel like the marriage itself is a sacrifice, like you're giving something up to be married. I'm not. I would rather be with my wife at home than anywhere else in the world. Um, yeah, I'd love to take her on big fancy vacations around the world and all sorts of things like that. But when all is said and done, we don't need to go anywhere for entertainment. We just spend time together. And that's that's enough, and that is preferable to anything else. So, Well, I found it. So we're going to get into okay. what this article says is normal. Go ahead and quote okay. that article first. Yep, I will. F- uh, this was from Red Book Magazine. So, you know, that's just a, 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 a ladies' magazine that's sold in all grocery stores across the, the U.S. And, and in superstores and everything. And it was about, I, I didn't write down the title of the, mag, the article, but the article is, and once we started reading the quotes, the statistics from this article, we wondered, is this legitimate? Like I said, and it's based on a book called The Normal Bar. The Surprising Secrets of Happy Couples and What They Reveal About Creating a New Normal in Your Relationship by Christina Northrup. Now, this is very... They surveyed tons of people. 25,000 respondents, 1,300 questions. It was an online interactive survey. Readers Digest took part. That has 70 million global readers. There was a relationship expert, Dr. Pepper Schwartz, and a social science researcher, Dr. James Witt, or Witty, it's W-I-T-T-E. Uh, there was other media partners, and then they had, they had the 25,000 respondents, but then they also said 70,000 people took part 
There was 1.7 million data points. So this was pretty extensive. So this is, this is pretty legitimate, just surveying people and their marriages. And here's what I, I got, eight points. And this from, is in the United States only? Yes. You, yeah. Well, no, actually, um, they did have um, international people that took the survey, okay. but mainly we're talking about the U.S., okay? okay? All right. There's eight points that I took out of this, this, this article that is based on that book. This is what they said. Number one, honesty stats. And this is what they say is a normal marriage. 43% of men and about 33% of women keep major secrets from their spouses. I'll just go through the stats and we can talk about them. Okay. Okay. I might Two, interject here and there just yep. to break it. But go ahead. Two, it said, uh, th- this one was weird. It just he- said heated arguments are normal for 48% of unhappy couples. Okay. Three, 90%, 96% of men and 78% of women want more out of sex with their couple, with their spouse. Four, almost half of couples no longer show affection in public after 10 years of marriage, and 56% say they rarely kiss passionately. Number five, more than a third of men and women think about breaking up, divorcing. Only 12% never think about it. Six, men aren't attracted to their spouses anymore after a while, and the root of attraction should not... Oh, and then... The other point of this attraction to the the wives was that the wives then have to do something that it's their fault the men aren't attracted. Seven, 47% of men and 61% of women don't have total faith in their spouse. Almost 50% of women and 69% of men admit they'd be tempted to act on a proposition from an attractive third party. Eight, both men and women admit to thinking about someone else when making love. I... I read those eight, and this was, they said that these were statistics from happy marriages. Except for the one that talks about. Yeah, the heated arguments. arguments. Other than that. But when I read those, I thought, that's not what God wants for marriage. I wouldn't be happy if these were right. Yeah, I I don't know how you could define it as a happy marriage with some of the statistics that you mentioned there, some of the things that are there. And um, do you know what I think? For full disclosure, I I want to reveal here that. We have a little bit of a vested interest in this. Not only are we married, obviously, ourselves, but uh, our oldest daughter is married and, and has a child. We're very, very happy grandparents right now. But our uh, one of our older sons is also going to get married here in January. So this concept of, of lasting marriages uh, has weight in our lives, not only in, in our own marriages, but in the marriages of those we love, mm. those that we care about. And that... That adds a whole nother dimension to our desire to see happy marriages. Marriage is supposed to be beautiful and filled with joy and contentment. That's what I think. And I have a quote from Christianity Today, and we'll also get into some scripture here. But Christianity Today, an uh, article written by a J.B. Kachilla, says, Many married couples today miss the mark as on what marriage is about. Many married people today think of marriage as an achievement that needs no more effort once it is achieved through the wedding, a struggle that is meant to be survived day by day, and the forerunner to having children, and that's that. Just well, survives. And it's, it's an interesting thing when we look at it. Historically, um, it's, it's just the opposite of what it is today. Historically, there were arranged marriages. There was minimal dating before marriage. There was... You know, uh, marriages of uh, political convenience, things like that. And we look at that and think, oh, that was terrible. Today, 
people live together for years before they get married. They have children before they get married. They they uh, rush into marriage over a, a weekend of being suddenly infatuated with someone. Um, we're outside, by the way. Yeah, we're outside, and there's starlings flying by right now. <laughs> um, so I think one of the one of the problems that we're seeing in today's world is maybe not understanding a good definition of what a marriage really is. And Do you have one? I think a marriage is a lifelong commitment that is more important than the individual. I really do. I think the marriage itself, um, as a covenant with someone else before God, is just that. It's a covenant with God. And if someone is thinking it as being, you know, uh, like dating or living together, we can just jump in and out. It's not. There's more to it than that. The, the covenant of marriage is a blessed sacrament from God. It's something that is important, and it is not to be taken lightly. And um, you can easily look around... Um, our country right now and see the results of uh, children without fathers in the home, broken families, single parents, um, the effects on our society, uh, physically or economically, spiritually, and all of those things. Weddings, or I mean marriages, uh, good marriages are such a testimony to the world. And they are a fabric. I think it's a it's a, a fabric of society. If we have strong marriages, that gives strength to our churches, gives strength to our communities, gives strength to schools. But I have scripture. We're going to read some scripture. Ephesians five, mm-hmm. twenty-two through thirty-three says, uh, "Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body." But as the Christ, oh, excuse me. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be set to their husbands in everything. And that is historically been a terribly controversial passage, right there, about the wives being subject to their husbands. And I don't know why it, it, it was taken that way, unless someone has the intention of, I want to be offended, so let me find something that well, offends me. Well, I think. I think it was taken wrong because sometimes it was interpreted wrong, where it was like oh. men are in charge and women better not say anything. Oh, there's no doubt about that at all. And, and I don't think we live currently in what, what I could honestly call a patriarchal society. I don't really think we do. No, not I anymore. think women have, have just as many opportunities, choices, chances to everything that they have. But unfortunately, people always stop there because when you get into 525 through 33, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. <clears throat> now, that's not saying the wife has to be holy and without blemish. That's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is the husband has to be like Christ in the marriage mm. and give everything for the wife. Be willing to sacrifice everything and in his eyes she's, she's spotless and without blemish. I, That's the difference. When Christ looks at us, no matter our past, no matter the sins that we drug, drug behind us, no matter the sins we have today, we are mercifully forgiven through the blood of Christ. He looks at us as being spotless, even if your own mind mm-hmm. you're not. And I think the husband needs to look at the wife the same way. If a husband acts like Christ, like that, any woman, his wife will submit to him. And it's not a, it's just a, every, we all submit to somebody. I mean, it's not like uh, you're equal, but someone has to be in charge, kind of in charge. But we're, I see Shannon, 
me and Shannon, we're a team. Yes, you very know, much so. And we work as a team. But, you know, every once in a while, someone has to, you know, how they say the buck stops here. I mean, someone has to have the final say at times. And and it's usually Shannon. You know, I, I don't have to ask him about absolutely everything, but we work well together. But let's finish this. Well, the last, the last part of this. Yeah, you read that. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. The role of the husband is to nourish and cherish his wife. She should feel completely safe, completely loved, completely appreciated, and not lack for anything. The husband, in doing that role, should take pride in the role of being the husband, and, and Jesus himself, as the Son of God, performed that role with us. And when you understand that that's the responsibility you have as a man when you decide you are going to marry a woman, um, as it says here, uh, you should love your wife as you love yourself. No one ever hated their own flesh because you are one flesh. And that's mm-hmm. common in a in a uh, wedding vow. as they talk, you are now one flesh. And the concept there is simply that we are not ever going to be separated again. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are joined to, together by God and in... As with any other covenant with God, we're not to be separated. We're not to be pulled apart. God has put together, let no man... Asunder. No man make asunder, yeah. Yeah, 31 through 33, and then I want to tell a story. Okay. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. I think that, I think a good marriage will show the love of God to the world and to the church. Hmm. But here's my story. There was this island. And <laughs> this oh is boy. a great story. It's the, the eight cow story. The eight cows. Do you know this story? Go ahead. Okay, this is a great story. All right, so... There was this island, and there was a bunch of people who lived on the island. And there was a a farmer who had a wife, or not a wife, a farmer who had a daughter who was really, really ugly. And nobody wanted to marry her because she was so darn ugly. And now if someone wanted, if 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 a boy or a young man was interested in in a woman on the island, he'd go to the father and he'd offer the father like a cow. Now, if he'd offer the father a cow for his daughter, that meant she was pretty valuable. And and the man thought she was pretty good looking. If he offered two cows, she's probably really hot. Now, if she offered th- if he offered three cows, which was never happened, she was so beautiful, no one could stop looking at her. Okay, so so that's that's the deal with the cows. But anyway, so this, this farmer had a, a daughter who was super ugly. Boy, she was ugly. I mean, she, she was so ugly. Okay, all right. Anyway, just picture something ugly, and she was uglier. All right, so this young man comes to the, the father and says, um, I offer you eight cows for your daughter. <gasps> eight cows. That's never been to, like I said, three cows is a lot. Never heard of. So he offers her eight cows. Offers the husband, father, sorry, eight cows. Well, the father jumps at the chance. He says, man, this kid doesn't know what he's doing, but I'll take the eight cows because he wasn't a great father. And uh, so he took the eight cows, and this man took his new wife home 
to live with him. Well, over the months and months, people started seeing this ugly girl. She became more and more and more pretty and beautiful until 10 years down the, uh, down the way, she was the most beautiful woman on the island. And the moral of the story is, I probably should have told Shannon to tell that story because I guess I'm not real good with my words. The moral of the story is, the reason why she became so beautiful is because her husband loved her so much. It's love that makes people beautiful. So if a woman is content and feeling loved and cherished, I don't care what physically she looks like, she is going to glow. And, and you I can see that love. I agree with that. And I think that there, if we, I'm going to speak a little louder because the starlings decide to settle in our trees. Um, I think also that there's an, there's an element of that story where a woman, the woman in the story was felt appreciated. Yes. And so she was blessed by that. Um, but I think the other thing we have to look at is when we look at our society today and we look around us and we see the things around us, we see, um, Everyone telling you to be dissatisfied. Yes. To do, be dissatisfied with yourself, with your weight, with your car, with your house, with your insurance, with your retirement, with your job, with your schooling, with everything. You're supposed to be dissatisfied. Well, that's because they're always selling you the next best thing. And it is no different with relationships. People are being sold a pack of lies about relationships. Unfortunately, the concept of happily ever after doesn't exist in our world today. No one truly believes in happily ever after. They believe in happily for a while. Mm -hmm. And then divorces, um, celebrities, the people that we, we call celebrities in our country have three, four, five, six marriages and it's no big deal. Even our, even our media and the things that we watch, I find it saddening that we can have so many shows about weddings and wedding cakes and oh, say yeah. yes to the right. dress and all those things about weddings and nothing about happy marriages. Yeah. That's nothing. True. I had and we look about at that. we look even at our children and what our children are watching and our children are watching shows uh, that have uh, tons of divorced parents in them that have disobedient children and they're cool. Um, parents that are mean to each other and there's a laugh track over the top. Yeah. All of those things provide a false narrative of what a relationship between a man and a woman is meant to be and what it should be and what it has to be if it's going to last. You know it will not last if that's what it is. Right. Well, Jane, me, I have made a list of... Oh, here we go. Another one of Jane's lists. Yes, this is Jane's nine list of nine things that will help you have a great marriage Ooh, okay i'm nine. just gonna list them these are go nine for it. all right go for it all right number one you are a team think of you and your husband you and your wife as a team two number one ecclesiastes 4 9 two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls down has no one to help him also, if two lay down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Okay. Two. So I'm going to back you up. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I would say write these down, but I guess Shannon's going to interrupt me each time. Yep. Okay. Number two. Now, let me say the whole thing. Two. Your spouse is on your side. He or she is not the enemy. Give him or her the benefit of the doubt. Oh, 
Sorry, someone's calling. You gotta we'll wait. Keep going. All right. Three. Pray together. You have any? Pray together. Number four. Have something you do together regularly. Besides prayer and besides going to church, have something similar interests. Mm-hmm. Shannon and I have a couple TV shows we like to watch, and that sounds boring, but we enjoy it. And or and we also uh, do this together. And sometimes we just sit outside in a yard together. I mean, it depends upon what you two like. But have something you do together every week. Okay. Right. Now number five, be each other's friends. Work on your friendship. I think that's really important. I think the concept of well, obviously Jane is my best friend. And she is my best friend for the same reasons that she is my wife. I think that's where we were, were. Sometimes these marriages get separated. When she said we should have something in common that we enjoy together, that's 100% true. But there are also things she enjoys that I don't, and I enjoy that she doesn't. And that's fine as long as we do have something to share together. And if you have a best friend, that's there's a common interest, something that draws you together. If you have a best friend, there's someone you trust, someone you can confide in, someone that you can rely on no matter what's happening, someone who forgives your your down your down days and, and helps you and celebrates you on your up days. That's what a marriage should be. So if your best friend is more important than your wife, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not saying that you can't have friends outside of a marriage. I'm should. not saying yes. any of those things, but... The most important relationship needs to be the one you have with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Okay, number six. Ow! <laughs> Work on your sex life. Okay. I, I mentioned, you know. Yeah. Okay, I will say, I know when, especially when you have young children and you're exhausted, that is the last thing you want to do when you go to bed together, but you need to have sex regularly. Whatever regularly is to you guys, just make sure you do it. Okay. Song of Solomon 4.9 You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. Hey. You want to read something that's uh, spicy? Yeah. Read, so- read uh, Song of Solomon. And also I will say, you know, sex gets better. Sex is a lot better now than it was when we first got married. Okay, 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 okay let's go on. Next okay. in the list. <laughs> I want to have a sex one sometime, but anyway. I'm sure you do. Number seven, always show agape love, unconditional love to your spouse. Isn't that a good one? Mm-hmm. Number above eight. Above all things. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, love above all things. Yes, Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Okay. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Eight and nine kind of go together, but I've thought of another one, so we'll say all this is eight, and then I'll give you what nine is. Eight, serve each other and put a little comma there. Make life wonderful for your spouse. You know, if, if, if try to read the clues. If you are home all day or if you get home before your spouse does from work or whatever, and your spouse comes in and you can tell he or she is stressed to the max, Give him or her time to cool down, and, and they might have had a rotten day at work, and you don't know about it. you got to give each other the benefit of the doubt, but make life wonderful for your spouse. You want to be a haven, a, a place of comfort and security for your spouse to come. And so now, n- number 10. Wait, before you say oh, number 10. Yes, go ahead. Oh, no, no, it's number 9, because yeah, I put those together. you only have 9, so yes, 8, sorry. the one you just talked about. Yeah. Ephesians 4, 2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Oh, yeah. Be patient. Gentle. 
bearing with one another in love. And I think patience is, is something that's lacking in our society as well. We're, we're a fast food generation, internet, high-speed internet, everything right now, right now, right now, right now. And we have a tendency not to do well in silence, mm. in pauses, in peaceful times. We don't have that time where we're just silent. One of the things I love about my wife is we can just sit next to each other silently and enjoy each other's company without having to force a conversation or talk about anything. We talk a lot, but there are times when we don't, and we just sit together. And, and if I'm, my elbow is rubbing up against her elbow and just sitting, I am completely at peace because of that. And I think that's something that needs to be cultivated because it's not something that is common yeah. in our society. You know Quiet that, peacefulness is not yeah. something that's common. Where you will see that is someone who spends a lot of time outdoors, mm-hmm. spends a lot of time in God's majesty where, the, where the, the magnificence of God's creation is so big you can't ignore it. It's right there, like starlings in the sky. Um, I sure hope they can hear this. I think probably <laughs> they'll hear over the starlings. But in addition to that, it is not something that is normal. Mm-hmm. So since it is not normal, but it is desirable, that means you have to work at it. Mm-hmm. Marriage is work. Yeah. Marriage is, a, marriage is a challenge because you are not naturally going to be successful in a marriage. It's not a natural thing. It has to be something done with intention. I will and say, patience yeah. is an intentional thing. The same, it, it goes with the same patience thing, is that... Let's say your spouse comes home and is testy and you say something and he or she barks at you. Our society tells you these days you should rise up and say, you can't treat me like that. But you really give up all your rights when you get married. If you want to, if you want to, like Shannon said, humble and gentle, if you want to have a lasting relationship with your spouse, you don't get, you should never get defensive with them. Listen. It's the concept of if you make this choice to commit yourself to a marriage, you're not committing yourself to me, you're committing yourself to we. So if there's a feeling or a thought or something that's crossing your mind or your heart where you're irritated with your spouse, you have to stop and say, "Is I'm, am I doing this because my feelings or my... Is this about me or is this about us? If it's about us, what's the best way for me to handle it? Usually if you take that tack, you're going to find the right answer. Mm-hmm. If you take that tack, especially if you take that tack and add God into the equation, then you will find that answer. The sad part of a lot of marriages, the sad part is uh, we grew apart, we have nothing in common. Um, All of those excuses for marriages, justifications in a divorce court, um, all of those things come from someone saying, I don't want to be with you I want to be away from you Mm -hmm. and you made the commitment to be with that person so no matter what's happening in their lives it is your job to be committed now if there is a situation where someone is violent or someone is something like that I definitely am not saying that's something you should live in unquestionably that's not the situation totally different but if you love someone you love them and that might mean you love them enough to separate from them until they get that part of their lives fixed. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to commit to someone, first of all, know them. Know who you're committing yourself to. You need to really know that person. You need to be honest with them about your shortcomings and your blessings. You need to be honest with them about what you think is important. You need to be honest with them about uh, about 
what's important to you so you can share that before you ever walk down an aisle and tell everybody in front of God, I'm going to spend the rest of my time with this person, know the person. Like I told my daughter, and I did say this the other day, I said, marriage is not just sex and hanging together. That's not what it is. I mean, those are big parts, but you have to have everything together. Okay, so here's my last one, number nine. And this one just came to me. Okay, marriages, they have seasons. And so if things, life is stressful, your marriage might be a little stressful. And and marriage should get better and better. And so my my thing here is, let's say you're, you and your spouse are not agreeing and you feel the need to talk to somebody else about it. That's not necessarily bad or wrong or good or anything. But I will say this. If you're someone who feels the need to burt, to unload on someone else about the problems you're having at home, you need to talk to someone who is for your marriage and who will give you godly counsel. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people out there, there who will hear what he or she did and go, you don't need that. Why don't you just leave? But I would be careful about that. You really should talk to your spouse about if you guys are having problems, try to objectively talk and calmly. You can get through this problem. You guys love each other. And I think one of the one of the things that one of the one of the other hangups that causes problems in a situation like that is if you go to someone who is uh, your friend, not their friend, mm-hmm. whatever it is. What you really need, if you're looking for help like that, is to find a third party. Yes. And that could be, um, I guess it could be a counselor, it could be someone like that. You could definitely be a pastor. Mm-hmm. You take it to someone because I guarantee you, every pastor out there is hoping your marriage stays together forever. And God is too. That is our goal as pastors. That is what we are looking for. And if we go to uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. If you're together, you can defend yourselves. And then mm-hmm. the last sentence is the one I love the most. It says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Mm. So, yes, you can you can defend yourselves. But if you wrap yourselves in Christ, you're tied together that you cannot you, you cannot be separated. Because in, in with, through Christ, you can do all things. So if you are a couple side by side, mm-hmm. and Jesus is wrapping around your lives in close contact with both of you, there's nothing that can separate you then. Yeah, and it's just know this. It's God's will that your marriage work out. I mean, you got God's will on your side. God is on your side. It was God's intention that we we have this covenant relationship between man and woman. That he saw man, he saw Adam and realized he shouldn't be alone, so he created Eve so that he would have a helpmate, a friend, a lover, a confidant, all those things. So from the very beginning it was God's plan that a man and woman would be bound together in this. And from the very beginning, it was God's plan that the man and woman that are bound together would have children, mm-hmm. that they would have a family, that they would have a lifelong relationship with each other. It's sad in our society that that is not honored for what it is. And you stay together for years and years, and you, you take care of each other. Everybody needs someone who takes care of them, and you need someone to take care of. You get to take your take care of your spouse, and he or she takes care of you, and... Everyone needs that. Anyway, do we have anything else? I don't think so. I just... We are going to have a sex one sometime. All right, we'll have a sex one sometime. I encourage 
each and every one of you, if you are married, to stop, step back, and ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one, is God a major part of my marriage? Mm. Number two, is my spouse my best friend? Mm. And number three, what do I need to do to make it better? Not what do we need to do, but what do I need to do to make it better? When we talk about that relationship between man and woman, Christ and the church... Jesus gave everything for the church. Mm-hmm. He didn't hold anything back. He didn't say, it's because I want to do it this way. Those are good questions. What can you do to make this a better marriage? Hmm. You do what you can do. And I guarantee if you sit down with your spouse, and maybe you listen to this, or maybe you talk about something similar to this, and then you say to your spouse, what can I do? If you don't know, ask. They will tell you. And tell them, I love you so much. I want to make sure that everything's going right in your life. I want to make sure everything's right in our marriage. What am I not doing that I could do better? You could ask, do you feel loved? That's a good one. You might not want the answer, but it's a great answer. Because everyone feels loved differently. So that is a good one. To quote Jane, every woman wants to be worth eight cows. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. That was good. You're so funny. Oh. We love doing these, and uh, we hope you enjoy listening to them and if you can share this with someone we'd love to we'd love to reach out to more people and if you're listening you want to let us know we'd love to hear that too and if you have something you want us to talk about let let us us know know. we'll talk about anything even sex (laughs) okay we'll talk with you later bye god bless